You're listening to the Living Leadership Podcast, growing disciple-making leaders. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Living Leadership Podcast. My name is Paul Coulter and I work with Living Leadership as part of the staff team. This is a three-part series and this is the middle episode of that series, uh, reflecting on John 21 and its lessons for leadership and for ministry. And we saw in the last episode the centrality of Jesus in faithful ministry. But the little sentence that's inspiring or shaping this series is this, that faithful ministers lead people in obedience to Jesus. And last episode, we saw that uh, ministry begins with a revelation of the risen Lord Jesus as Lord and in his character of humility and servanthood. He's our model for leadership and it's faith in him that inspires us in leadership. But just as ministry begins with the revelation of Jesus, so ministry proceeds through a loving relationship with Jesus. We saw how John tells us in John 21 that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. But we also saw how he restores Peter by asking him, do you love me? And Peter's hesitant response, yes, Lord, you know I love you, you know my heart. Uh, and the, the heart of the leader says, Lord, I love you, increase my love for you. But if ministry begins with a revelation of Jesus and it proceeds through loving relationship with Jesus, then it's also inspired by a great vision of Jesus. We saw how the very last verse of John 21, the very last verse of the whole gospel, uh, John says, basically, you get, he says, look, all of the books in the world couldn't possibly contain all of the things that Jesus has done. And the call of ministry and of leadership is to allow our lives to become a uh, another chapter in the book, another volume, perhaps, in the series of what Jesus is doing to allow ourselves to become less so that he might become more faithful ministry uh, becomes less that the, the person in their humility and their desire to see christ glorified allows him to take center stage focuses on his glory so let me say it again faithful ministers lead people in obedience to jesus jesus is at the center but our response to him is obedience and the desire that we want for others is obedience to Christ. And we see this in John 21. First of all, going back again, was just as we saw the chapter begins with this statement that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples in Galilee or at the Sea of Tiberias, as John calls it. We have to ask, why are they there? What brought them to that place? Well, if we look at John chapter 20, the resurrection appearances of Jesus that we read about there, and there are three of them, first of all, to Mary Magdalene in the garden, uh, and then to 10 of the remaining 11 disciples uh, without Thomas present, and then to the 11, including Thomas. But they all happen in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus appeared to Mary in the garden where his tomb had been, he appears in the upper room to the disciple. But Matthew 26, when it records the institution, institution of the Lord's Supper, 
It tells us that Jesus said to the disciples, verse 32 of Matthew 26, after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So Christ had said to them that it would be in Galilee that he would meet with them. Initially, he meets with them in Jerusalem and with two on the road to Emmaus who were leaving the city of Jerusalem to bring them back to be with the other disciples. And then uh, then he meets them in Galilee. And of course, most famously, Matthew 28 tells us about Jesus with the, the, the apostles on a mountain in Galilee, commissioning them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that he commanded. Now, of course, after that, Jesus met the disciples again in the vicinity of Jerusalem. He takes them up to Galilee he brings them back to Jerusalem because Acts chapter 1 tells us that it's from the Mount of Olives just outside the city of Jerusalem that Jesus ascends, leaves the, the earth at the end of the 40-day period whenever he had been with his disciples. So Jesus tells them to go to Galilee and that's where they are. That's where they are in John 21. Uh, it's not always simple to piece together the chronology of the, the events in the life of Jesus and ministry of Jesus. And certainly when it comes to the post-resurrection appearances, uh, I think we need to do that tentatively. But it seems to me that, that most likely this occasion in John 21, uh, this uh, miraculous catch of fish and the... the um, breakfast that Jesus makes for his disciples probably comes before the commissioning on the mountainside. And if that's true, then what we're seeing here is, is in a sense, a prepare, preparing of Peter, particularly, for uh, that commissioning. In John 20, when he's in Jerusalem, Jesus said uh, prophetically to the disciples, uh, he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in that context, he told them that he was sending them as the Father had sent him. So this commissioning to mission. But of course, uh, we know that they didn't receive the Holy Spirit at that point. That was something that would come on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, uh, 40 or 10 days after his ascension. So during this 40 day period, it's a sort of unusual phase. They're waiting for Jesus. And they go to Galilee, and in many ways they're waiting there. And in the meantime, Peter says to the others, the other six disciples at least, who we read about in John 21, I'm going out fishing, and they decide to go out with him. So here they are in Galilee, in the place where Jesus had told them to go. And some people are critical of Peter and the other disciples for fishing as if, well, that was going back to their old profession. I'm not sure that we should be critical of that. The text certainly doesn't uh, imply any particular criticism. But uh, in fact, the Lord, of course, in his providence knew that this is what they would do. And he uses that opportunity to teach them about himself, his lordship, as we saw in the previous episode, and his servitude, his lordship in, in the miraculous catch of fish and in the command and the call to follow me. But his servitude in making breakfast for them and waiting on them uh, as if he was their servant. But what we see is, is, is this step-by-step -step nature of obedience to the Lord Jesus. 
Again, it's speculative, but when Simon Peter says, let's go and fish, you know, perhaps we imagine he was wondering, well, when is the Lord going to appear? We know that Peter was an action man. We see it even in this chapter when he jumps into the water to, to swim to Jesus. But, you know, was Peter just wondering, well, when is the Lord going to do this? The Lord didn't just commission them in one go. He could have done that in Jerusalem, couldn't he? He could have appeared to them once after the resurrection, doing the whole thing, commissioning them. Even the giving of the Spirit in God's plan presumably could have happened uh, on the very day of the resurrection. But this period of waiting in between is a significant period. It's a time when Jesus meets with his disciples. It's a time when they are able to process what they have witnessed, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a time when they were able to begin to reflect on that in light of the resurrection truth. And in God's perfect purpose and in his plan for them as he prepares them, that time was significant. Even the time that seemed like it was just waiting around for Jesus to come. It's a step-by-step -step obedience to Jesus. At this point, and, and quite possibly Peter and the others needed to fish in order to feed themselves or to feed their families, to be economically productive. There wasn't yet an established church or community of believers who could have given them financial support as they went on their way. Uh, and so, you know, although we might, some people might want to criticise Peter, we might ask, well, what else is he meant to do? This is a phase when it's appropriate and necessary for them to support themselves financially. I don't know your situation. I assume if you're listening to this, you're probably in ministry or leadership of some sort. But maybe you're not in supported Christian ministry or maybe you're in part-time supported ministry and you're uh, working to pay your own bills or maybe you and your spouse have an arrangement where one of you brings in more of the money so that the other can give time to church work voluntarily. I've met people across the UK who are working in all of those patterns. And we mustn't see those times when we're working, even it may be that you're, you're, you're just simply a volunteer leader, an elder in a church, not a paid member of ministry. Maybe your church can't afford to pay someone. But those patterns are all legitimate they're all ways in which the Lord will provide workers for the harvest field. You look at Paul's mission and you see him doing the same thing, at times supporting himself as a tent maker, at other times being supported by others within his team, and at other times supported by gifts from the churches. Well, here is Peter, uh, and, and he's simply doing what the Lord tells him to do. The Lord had said, go to Galilee. He goes to Galilee. The Lord appears on the shore. Peter goes, swims to the Lord. The Lord says, bring me some fish. Peter brings him fish. The Lord says, do you love me? Peter says, well, you know better than I do how much I love you. The Lord says, feed my sheep. And Peter says, I will. He doesn't say it in the passage, but we know that he dedicated his life to that mission. When he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, he writes as a fellow elder to elders of the church. And he challenges them to, to serve in the way that the master had taught him, not lording it over people, 
but setting an example to them. We'll think again in the third and final episode of this series about what that looks like, our relationship with people in, in, in ministry. But what I'm trying to get at here is this step-by-step obedience, being where the Lord has him to be. And as we look at that, so if, if faithful ministers lead people in obedience to Jesus then we have to be responsive to the step-by-step leading of Jesus. The question that you need to ask, the first question as we saw in the last episode is, do you love me as Jesus asks you? But then the second call of Jesus is, follow me. That's what he says to Peter in this uh, episode at the end of the the chapter. He, he, He says, well, verse 19, he says, follow me. And then we see Peter talking about, well, what about John? Again, we'll think about that next week when we think about people and relationships with people, or next episode rather. But but this call to follow me is the heart, isn't it? Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Well, then follow me. Go where I am leading you. And so the question for you and for me is, where is the Lord leading you? What's the next step? And the next step might be another step in the same place that he has put you. Maybe a place where he has put you for decades. And you've been serving faithfully and you know that the Lord is saying, stay here and stay put and keep committed. Sometimes that's harder even than moving on, depending on the challenges of that situation. Or it may be that the Lord is saying to you, I'm leading you to another place and it's time to go. It's time to to get up. I'm leading you into a new phase, a new step, a new uh, level of responsibility, a new kind of service, service in a new setting. The Lord would take Peter back to Jerusalem. And if tradition is right, eventually he would lead him on to Rome. Certainly in between, according to Acts, he would lead him to Joppa, and uh, the house of Cornelius, and all of these are step-by-step obedience to the calling and leading of the Lord. It may be, of course, that the Lord is leading you somewhere else, but not yet. There's a phase of preparation. There's a time of waiting. Again, this mission that God or that Christ would have for Peter wouldn't come for, well, we don't know what point in the 40 days this event in Galilee is at. Maybe halfway through, we don't know, but it's it's likely that it's a, a few more weeks until the Spirit would come on Pentecost. And of course, it was some time after that that the Spirit led Peter uh, into the mission to the Gentiles. Step by step, moment by moment, responsive and obedient to the Lord. But how are we going to hear his voice? How are we going to know? Well, again, I think this chapter models that for us. Here is Peter. And again, I I should have said this at the beginning of the episode, but if you haven't read the passage again, please do. Maybe that's obvious. Hopefully it's obvious. But I don't want this to be just about my thoughts. I want you to see how this passage is, is challenging us to see yourself in the place of Peter and how the Lord might be speaking to you. But how did Peter hear the voice of the Lord? In this chapter, well, most obviously, of course, the Lord confronted him, put his finger on the point of Peter's weakness with these this threefold question, do you love me? 
It was a very clear voice from the Lord, a very clear bit of heart surgery, a calling back, of course, to what Peter already knew. And that might be your experience as you pray and as you seek the Lord. Perhaps he will speak to you in a very direct way, an audible voice, a dream, a vision. Peter again received the, that vision uh, when he was called to go to Cornelius' house, remember. Or it may be that he'll speak to you just through that inner voice, not audible, but that, that conviction that the Spirit brings of the truth of, of, of what Christ is calling you to be. But that calling will always be, that voice of the Lord will always be consistent with what you already know, with what is true about the Lord from his word. Peter already knew what the Lord had done. He had seen it. And this calling of Jesus is consistent with that. I can't tell you what the Lord's specific calling on your life is, whether it's to be a pastor or whether it's to to, to be an elder or, or, or to, to whatever of these things it might be, the gifts that he has given you will, will be the way in which he will guide you into that. Uh, and his calling, if you seek him, he will make clear. But what I can say is that for all of us, there is a calling to participate in the mission of the church, the mission of God that he works out through the church. It's the mission of making disciples that uh, Matthew 28, that other Galilee occasion after the resurrection tells us that will be part of your mission, whether you do it in the workplace and as a volunteer in church programs or or just through those relationships, or as a parent, as you seek to instill faith in your children, or as a grandparent, or whether you do it as a recognized shepherd of the flock, whether you do it as what we call an evangelist who goes out and shares the gospel, it will be a contribution to that mission of making disciples who are obedient to the Lord Jesus. And so what is your part within that? But that's the most obvious way in which Peter hears the Lord's voice and sees the Lord in this encounter. But it's not the first way. You see, when Jesus first appears on the shore, he appears as a stranger. A stranger who gives some advice to these struggling fishermen. I don't know how they responded to that. I mean, I don't know. Um, did they, after a night of, of fishing and catching nothing... I imagine I might have been quite frustrated and quite irritated when some stranger on the shore tells me, why don't you try casting the net on the right-hand side? I don't even know how sensible that sounded to them. Uh, I don't know enough about fishing. Maybe that was quite a common thing. Maybe they, they, they thought that this stranger could see a shoal of fish from the angle that he was at that wasn't visible to them. I just don't know. But what I do know is that they responded, and at this point it's clear from the passage, they didn't know it was the Lord Jesus. They weren't responding to a command of the Lord, they were simply taking advice from a stranger. Might the Lord speak to you through strangers and circumstances and the people that he places around you? Or like Paul and that vision of the Macedonian man calling him to come. Of course, that's a, a vision, but it's the same idea, isn't it? Through a person, a need, 
These things are often the way the Lord prompts us. So what is he saying to you through the people around you and the circumstances? What things and encounters does he bring up across your path? And in them, how is he challenging you? Maybe in areas of your character. Because if you're like me, there will be ungodly ways of reacting to circumstances and to people as well as godly ones. And so what is it that he's he's teaching you? But the third way, so there's the direct way that Peter Jesus speaks to Peter after he recognizes who he is. There's this stranger on the shore. But notice it's not Peter who first recognizes Jesus. After the miraculous catch, it's John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. A co-worker, but in some sense a, a rival. Certainly you see that at the end of this chapter. Again, more of that in the last episode of the series. But here is John saying it's the Lord. And Peter doesn't stop and say, hang on, are you sure? Or, um, you know, John, will, uh, I, uh, he doesn't stop and be annoyed that John sees the Lord before him. He, he, he gets on board with John's vision, if you like. He recognizes the wisdom of the Lord and the truth in what John has said. And we need to listen for the voice of the Lord from godly counselors and advisors, co-workers and people who know the Lord and who love the Lord and who can see where the Lord is at work. And when these three things come together, the circumstances and the strangers around us, the advice of godly people and the inner voice of the Lord or the direct voice and call of the Lord, that's a powerful combination. That's how we're going to recognize his voice. But the third thing I want to say as we bring this episode to a close, a close is that obedient ministry is shaped by step-by-step -step responsiveness to the call of Jesus. It listens for his voice in unexpected and expected places, the direct inner voice, the vision, but also circumstances and wise advice and insights of other believers around us. But also obedient ministry follows Christ into the future, into a future of fruitfulness and of suffering. And you see that in this passage, don't you? The Lord says to Peter, feed my sheep. There will be work to be done. There will be moments of joy as he does that. There will be fruit just as, as the Lord's command enables them to catch the fish. It's a metaphor, isn't it, for, uh, for, for fruitfulness in gospel ministry. But the metaphor of fish breaks down when it comes to, to caring for the flock, which, which is a, has to be a me metaphor of of sheep and the shepherd feed my sheep. So the evangelistic task of casting out the nest, net has to move on into the pastoral task of bringing people to maturity, protecting them from harm. More of that in the final episode of what that means and what we can learn about that from John 21. But where I want this to land is simply to say that the Lord rather is clear with Peter there will be fruitfulness and there will be suffering. He gives him an insight that most of us will never be given, but into the kind of death that he will lead. When you're older, people will stretch out your hands and lead you where you don't want to go and dress you, carry you. Speaking of crucifixion, 
we know from tradition that Peter, well, we know that Peter was crucified from tradition uh, and that tradition seems to suggest he opted to be crucified upside down. He didn't want, didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord. There will be suffering. You've got to have realistic expectations as you look to the future of ministry. Yes, there will be fruitfulness, not always as much as you would like. There will be hard work too. Sacrificial work, a giving of self for the sake of others. That's the pattern of Christ. And there will be suffering. It might not be martyrdom like Peter, but there will be loss. There will be opposition. The Lord and the apostles are always honest about that in Scripture. Ministry and obedience to Jesus is shaped by step-by-step -step responsiveness to his leading. Listening for his voice in expected and unexpected places and following him into a future of fruitfulness and suffering. Let me pray for you as we close this episode. Remember, faithful ministers lead people in obedience to Jesus. Father, I want to pray for those who are listening, that you will continue your work in their lives, that they will have a fresh vision of Jesus, that they will follow him into the future, whatever suffering that might entail, that they will count the cost, but help them to be obedient to him, responsive to him, to be listening for him, to recognize his voice as they, as his sheep, seek to be shepherds to others. Father, help them to make the right decisions, to seek the right advisors, to listen to the right voices, to recognize the voice of the Lord, and to walk step by step with him through joys and trials, and to do so in the humility and servanthood that he models to us. So we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Living Leadership Podcast. For more about Living Leadership, to connect with us, to give, or to sign up for regular prayer news, please visit livingleadership.org. Blessings.